It's the SFL Nights with It's the SFL Nights with With AJ Stryker With AJ Stryker It's the SFL Nights with It's the SFL Nights with With AJ Stryker With AJ Stryker uh, Ashley Jackson about the action SFL news, come and join with interaction Whatever happens, happens Yeah, you will leave with satisfaction Yeah, tell your team and tell your captain Come and tune in, new episodes weekly You can tune in from your room in afternoons And when the moon hits, it's unique It's the SFL Nights with It's the SFL Nights with with AJ Stryker, with a- <laughs> What is up, SFL Nation? And welcome back to SFL Nights with AJ Stryker. Thank you so much for joining me today or tonight or whenever you decided to hit that play button or turn on that radio dial. Really appreciate it, y'all. I have with me my panel of esteemed guests. First off, we have Mr. Aaron Alexander, fullback of the Fort Worth Toros. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right, Ashley. How are you? Doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you for being on with me. It's been a minute. It has. All right. Gotcha. Next up, I have my owner and coach, Senor Eddie Gage. How are you doing, Mr. Strong up, Safety? How y'all doing tonight? What's going on? Not much, man. Just here trying to get this show on the road. Appreciate you for being here. Yep. And yep. Last but not least, I have Mr. Isaiah King III. How are you doing, AJ? Fantastic. He is a member of the Denver Nightwings. Free safety, right? Just make sure I got that right. Yes, ma'am. You know, sometimes I've talked to so many people, it get kind of hairy, but <laughs> welcome back, y'all. Thank you for being you know who here. He is. Pick off you, ass. You should know who he is. He Shut up. Off. See, why you got to be, why you got to be? <laughs> last season, like too. I told her last <laughs> season, too. It's because you didn't call the right play, coach. That's the reason why he got the ball. <laughs> That's a mess. <laughs> but thank y'all for being here. Everyone, my guests and I are going to be going over week seven games. There was a lot of great games that happened, a lot of close ones at that. Um, followed by my SFL chat around the water cooler, which will consist of us doing our pickums for week eight. And also, we're going to be going over the divisions, how everything shifted after this week, and playoff standings. So if the playoffs were to happen right now, these are the teams that would make it, these are the teams that would be in the middle, and then these teams that will completely miss it. So let's get started with the fun, shall we? First game that we're going to discuss tonight is the one of the most surprising games i think of the whole week was the carolina skyhawks beating the queen city corsairs undefeated at that time um queen city corsairs 26 to 24. carolina had 394 yards passing 104 yards rushing for 498 yards total their time of possession was 18 minutes and 45 seconds with two mistakes The Corsairs had 205 yards passing, 135 yards rushing, but 340 yards total. Their time of possession was 24 minutes, 29 seconds with one mistake. Player of the game was quarterback Matt South. 
31 completions out of 39 attempts, 394 yards, one touchdown, and a quarterback rating of 95.9. So this is an impressive win for the Carolina Skyhawks to be able to pull this off with a walk-off field goal from Mr. Whistle Jones at the last second to beat an undefeated team. What do you guys think about this game? I I mean, admittedly, a lot of the games this week were absolute insanity. There were, I think, half the games were down to the wire and won by a, a field goal as time expired. But this one, definitely the most surprising. Uh, it, it keeps Carolina in the hunt for the Atlantic Division title, although they currently sit, I believe, third in their division there. Uh, but also it... it proves that Queen City, despite how good they've looked all season, still can have moments where they're beatable. There's another word that I'm looking for, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. But, uh, I mean, even with the loss, Queen City still looked poised to be easily one of the favorites going into playoffs this season if they can can come back from this loss and keep going at the, the pace that we're at prior uh, to that Carolina game. Absolutely. Anybody else? Uh, I would like just add in that Matt South, he looked, uh, he looked pretty impressive. 31 of 39. That's, that's hard to, you know, keep completing everything, especially with the way some DBs play in, in the league. Um, he was pretty accurate. So. All right. Gotcha. That win for Carolina gave them a huge uh, strength and victory win. So should they make the playoffs, they, they're probably going to leap some teams because of that strength of uh, schedule victory that they, that they have, or uh, strength of victory win they have over a previous unbeaten team. So if they can make a run here, it's going to really help them in terms of playoff seeding. All right, gotcha. I have Mr. Max Paul joining us. Hold on one second. And everyone, Max Paul is the owner of the Florida Storm. Max, how are you? I'm good, dearest. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you. No problem. My pleasure is all mine. Awesome. So right now we are discussing the win that Carolina took over the Queen City Corsairs before I move on. Was there anything that you wanted to add to that? No, just besides the fact that I'm, I'm very happy for Carolina because uh, they've been, uh, for lack of a better term, a snake bin franchise that gets close and then something always out of the, just out of the, you know, that doesn't even make sense. You can't even make it up. You know what I'm saying? Even if you saw it in a movie, it just wouldn't compute in your mind the way their games have ended. So the fact that they were able to pull a tough one out at the end was, uh, I was uh, very happy for them. I even congratulated uh, their leadership last week after the game, because it was it was very well executed. Great job by, my, by Matt South at, in, you know, in that final drive to get him in position to be able to uh, kick a field goal to win the game. Absolutely. The Denver Nightwings took on the Baltimore Vultures and Baltimore won 44 to 24. 
The Nightwings had 286 yards passing, 168 yards rushing, 454 yards total. Their time of possession was 22 minutes, 49 seconds with six mistakes. Baltimore had 427 yards passing, 148 yards rushing for 575 yards total. Their time possession was 21 minutes, 11 seconds with also six turnovers. Jack Wigmore was the player of the game with 29 completions out of 45 attempts, 427 yards, four touchdowns, and a quarterback rating of 85.4. So it is amazing that both of these teams had six turnovers. They both did pretty well, but it seems like <clears throat> Baltimore did exceedingly well with their passing game this go-round. Um, of course, Isaiah, I got to throw it to you. What happened, man? Why did y'all lose this game? Um, so, you know, at first, I would say we were we were coming back with the picks and Jack was getting frustrated, And uh, but we just couldn't capitalize. I think we, we capitalized off of I think we have four in a row in the first half. I think we capitalized, capitalized off of one. And, um, you know, Bailey was, he, he he got it going, but I guess the game plan, we just, it, the AI just kept triggering pass, pass, pass. So with the pass game not going, um, and then when we started throwing picks, they were able to hold on to the lead and push forward. And then eventually Jack got going. And, uh, you know, of course, if your defense is on the field, most of the game, even though the time of the time of possession, it doesn't seem like we're on the field a lot. But when you actually go watch the game, we're on the field, um, you know, a lump sum. Even though we kept causing turnovers, um, and once they just got going, it was just it was hard uh, to to slow them down. And then they got the run game going, and then once they got the run game going, I mean, he broke, I think, I think like a 70, 80 yarder. Uh, through the left side of the defense, and at that, at that point, once they kept scoring, it was just over, and we couldn't do anything anymore. So the hole, the hole was too deep. Got it. Anyone else? Baltimore this uh, season. Go ahead. go ahead. The deep passing game of Baltimore was a struggle for Denver to defend all game long. They got a number of picks out of it. Um, particularly off that fade route that they kept trying to throw the team up. But uh, a couple of times he did get loose and they capitalized. But other than that, Denver had the opportunities, but they just couldn't capitalize off the mistakes. And as a result, you know, and Baltimore got the run game going too, which is something they really haven't been doing too much of this season. So if they get that run game going combined with what they already doing in the passing game, they're going to be a tough out for anybody. Very much so. Yeah, and Baltimore this season has has proven to be a team that once they start rolling, they're very difficult to stop. Uh, Denver, of course, was able to get quite a few turnovers off of Jack Wigmore, uh, but Baltimore's defense was able to do the same to Eric Price, and Baltimore's offense was able to capitalize better on those turnover opportunities than than Denver was able to. So it's it's no surprise that they won the game by the deficit they did it definitely realistically should have been a lot closer but uh baltimore just in general this season for some reason regardless of what you plan for it, it seems they always find some way to to exploit your game plan whether it's you know you're expecting deep passes and they start throwing short mid-range 
or you plan wholly for the pass and then Jimmy Hazard starts going with the run game. So it, it, Baltimore's definitely going to be one to watch out for uh, moving forward to into the rest of the season just to see if there's any team that's that's going to be capable of not just beating them, but even making a game particularly close because I think their margin of victory is like 14 plus points in pretty much every game they've played this season. Good point. Max, you good? Yeah, there's nothing that hasn't been said already. Um, you know, Denver hung tough, you know, early on in the ball game with all the turnovers they were able to acquire and force from Baltimore, but eventually Baltimore kind of, you know, regardless of turnovers, they, they you know, they left undaunted and felt undaunted and just kept chucking it deep and eventually they connected a couple of times and that broke the game open. Awesome. <clears throat> Speaking of breaking the game open, the Florida Storm took on the St. Louis Gladiators and the Storm won 35-27. The Storm had 274 passing yards, 68 rushing yards for 342 total yards. Their time of possession was 22 minutes, 20 seconds, three mistakes. The St. Louis Gladiators had 345 yards passing, 82 yards rushing for 427 yards total. Their time of possession was 20 minutes, 59 seconds with one mistake. Player of the game was Charlie Belecki with 23 attempts, 74 yards, two touchdowns, 29 reception yards, and one reception touchdown. So Max, would you mind breaking down this game for us? How did you guys win despite... Um, the gladiators scoring i mean having more passing yards having more rushing yards even holding the ball well actually you guys held the ball a little bit longer um in the first half it was very nipped up we um we traded a couple of uh key interceptions um we forced a pick early we're able to get on their goal line they were able to turn around and force a red zone turnover uh, and then from there they got a field goal first were able to, uh, you know, answer that field goal that they got with a touchdown drive. Um, we were able to then get another uh, touchdown. And then we, we left 14 10 at halftime. And as um, I, I love doubling up, uh, scoring before half and then scoring after half is, is a thing that we kind of pride ourselves in. So we were able to double up, which in turn kind of forced their hand and, have, and forced them to have to throw the ball a little more than I believe that they desired. Um, uh, we're able to, you know, force a couple three and outs and kind of, you know, uh, increase that lead a little, little bit. Um, at one point, I believe we're up 35-19. And at that point, that's when they started kind of um, making a comeback. Funny thing in that game, though, um, we put the backups in on defense and they got a late touchdown in there with less than two minutes. And then <laughs> for some odd reason, we decided to put the backups in on offense, too. And it was like all kinds of crazy in that game. But luckily for us, our backups were able to convert a, a clutch third and ten, and then we're able to like kind of kneel out and, and and get out of there with a dub. You know, anytime you can uh, you can win on the road, no matter what the score might be, long as you have one one more point than your opponent, you will take it. So that's that's kind of that's kind of how the attitude we had. You know, walking out of there, uh, uh, the Golden Gate. Um, you know, what I'm saying the, the 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 Golden, not Golden Gate. I'm sorry, the Walking out of St. Louis with a W, especially the way they've been playing the last couple of seasons, like really tough, especially since uh, 
Drew took over as the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big, big, big ups to them for that turnaround there. Um, for for you know being such a competitive franchise as of late. Uh, so I'm, we're just happy to walk out of here with W, so we could kind of focus on our next opponent. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else want to add to this? I was expecting Mighty to have Bullet as a feature of the offense, but once again, he went back to who he is, and and that's throwing the ball. I'm kind of disappointed in Mighty that Bullet was of a feature, but like he always tells me, I don't care how you get it done, just get it done, get the W, get up out of there. And that's what he did. Gotcha. All right. So the San Diego Mavericks took on the Charleston Predators and the Predators won 13 to 16. I'm sorry, Aaron and Isaiah, did y'all want to add to that or were we, were you good? Uh, there, there is something that I, I did want to add. Uh, there, there was a point earlier in the season where I feared that Florida was tr- trying to find its identity again uh, after you know losing some of the the players they did on offense, uh, as well as the the acquisitions they made in the offseason. But with with how it stands now, Florida looks mighty similar if not you know the same team that they were uh last season when they came runner up in in the championship uh the game they played against st louis uh while the ending was almost disastrous uh i think it is definitely proof of where florida stands as a team and i think they there's so many good teams this season. It's hard to really say who's going to to make the championship again this season. But Florida, if they continue this run that they've been on, definitely make a strong case to being one of those final two teams. Great point. San Diego Mavericks took on the Charleston Predators. And Charleston won 16-13. Another close game. Um, passing... Uh, San Diego had 221 yards passing, 108 yards rushing, 329 yards total. Their time of possession was 20 minutes, 30 seconds with four turnovers. Charleston had 277 passing yards, only 82 rushing yards though for 359 yards total. Their time of possession was 23 minutes, 30 seconds with three mistakes. Uh, Player of the game was TD Drew quarterback with 24 completions out of 37 attempts 277 yards one touchdown and a quarterback rating of 62.6 so with this game i'm thinking that charleston won because they had more time to to make those major plays um well at least get that let that probably the game wouldn't even field goal unfortunately i didn't see the end of this game um, but since they won by three, I would think that there was a field goal that was made that was necessary in order for them to get this win. Um, and looking at the time of possession, they definitely had more time. It's just, I'm curious about what happened to their rushing game. Does anybody want to kind of chime in on that? So I I was on the call for that game okay. between uh, Charleston and San Diego. Mm-hmm. And pretty much all season, Charleston just hasn't really been able to get their run game going with Keith Swearinger, despite the addition of Terrell Sutherland through the draft. Uh, And realistically, up until like the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, 
San Diego looked completely poised to win that game 10-7, 13-7. The difference maker, though, was San Diego at inopportune moments would try to throw a deep pass downfield that would get intercepted by Charleston. And specifically on their final drive, what ended up being their final drive. Uh, and because of that, uh, Charleston was able to march its way downfield and Brechett was able to kick that last minute field goal as time expired. But throughout, you know, 95% of that game, it was pretty much all San Diego there. Offense was able to move the ball decently well. Defensively, they were doing a great job defending, uh, you know, Keith Swearingen on the ground. Uh, there was a bit of a struggle with some uh, at some moments in the past game. Uh, but San Diego looked like the team that was going to go home with that game. And unfortunately, uh, turnovers just caused too many problems for them in the end. You're right. Anyone else? Looking looking back at that game, um, as I just like peeked at the stats or whatever, um, what I notice is that while while um, Charleston was struggling, San Diego was uh, they didn't you know take advantage. Um, they were leading that half, but like like Aaron said, um, it turned out that you know they end up throwing more picks. And, and turning the ball over more, and Charleston ended up, you know, possessing the ball a uh, longer time, and one possession or you know two three minutes can make a a, a big difference in the game. So I, I think really the key to the game was the turnovers, and if they would just you know took advantage while Charleston was down and struggling, then there would have been no chance for them to come back. Good point. Anybody else? All right, then. The game was San Diego was for the And uh, with a victory, I was rooting for them because I, I don't want to be the only team to lose to them this season. <laughs> and for, for about 95% of that game, it was theirs for the taking. As uh, as uh, Alexander kind of highlighted, you know, they do that turnover late, deep in their own end, that got uh, Charleston the ball. Already within field goal range, it was just a matter of milking the clock and kicking that game winner. Gotcha, Max. Um, I love the fact that San Diego is looking like they're competing this season a lot more than last season, but also it might show signs of for Charleston because sometimes um, being able to pull out games you have no business of winning. Um, it, it can be the springboard for good things to come. So uh, let's keep an eye on Charleston, see how you know they kind of perform for the rest of the season and see if that's the case. Good deal. The Mexico City Aztecs took on the Houston Hyenas and Mexico won 27 to 24, another close game. The Houston Hyenas had 323 yards passing, 105 yards rushing for 428 yards total. Their time possession was 23 minutes, 12 seconds with three turnovers. Uh, Mexico had a very balanced game with 175 yards passing, 173 yards rushing for 348 yards total. Their time possession was 19 minutes, 59 seconds with no mistakes. 
Phoenix Jones, halfback, was the player of the game with 25 attempts, 140 yards, one touchdown, and seven reception yards. So, gentlemen, it looks like Mexico had a clean game. They played very balanced ball on passing and rushing. I think this is probably the most balanced I've seen all week, at least. And they held the ball with less time. So what do you think was the reason that um, Mexico City won this game, especially with holding the ball with less time? Well, uh, again, as I took a peek, um, well, Dr. Sim killed it as always. At taking a peek, that guy is crazy. But anyways, um, it, it looks like Houston had three turnovers and yeah. Mexico City had zero. So um, just with that off bat, watching any sim, watching real football, anything, uh, those turnovers make a giant difference. And um, even though Houston was able to come back at the end, um, you know, sometimes playing from behind is, is, is way harder. You might just run out of time and it looks like Mexico City was just with the lower time of possession they were just capitalizing uh, on what they got every time so um, I think you know just really it's just the turnovers that that killed uh, Houston in this one gotcha Houston came out with a different game plan defensively than we're accustomed to seeing and it took Mexico City a hot minute to uh, get adjusted to it but eventually, uh, I believe it's like the second or third drive, um, <clears throat> Phoenix Jones had like a 50 or 60 yard TD run. And, you know, he looked, he looked like he was back to his old self. But Houston, as he stated, you know, made a run and came back. But I think eventually the, the turnovers, the fact that they lost that turnover battle three to zero, or I'm sorry, zero to three is what did them in. I definitely agree. Aaron, Max, y'all good? I think there's going to come a point, and I believe we're we're at that point already, considering that Houston has lost four of their last five, uh, that teams are starting to clue in to what Houston's like main game plan is, which is typically Dave Burr throwing a deep ball to DR Sim. And if Houston can't find a what, what what route, Alex? <clears throat> I am not confident enough in my route knowledge to be able to confidently answer that question. I believe it's I, typically a fade. I bet you the, the Houston likes to run. What what's the answer to that question, Max? Nope, I'm not doing it. I am not outing <laughs> people out there. I'll, just, I'll, I'll leave my eye emoji up. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm still I'm still learning these routes again. It's been a while, okay? But uh, no, t- typically Houston's game plan is a lot of passing, even though they have a very capable running back in Warren Murray. And I think in order for Houston to see success going into this last half of the season, I think they need to try and shift focus to a more balanced uh, offensive scheme instead of going for more mid to deep type passes that they have been. Uh, And and I think whether or not they're able to do that is going to give us an idea of whether or not they're going to 
be in the playoff picture at all at this point. Good point. All right. Was that 90Z post by chance? Nah. Okay. I, I, I had to guess. You know, I, I guessed. <laughs> <laughs> the Louisiana Revolution took on the London Knights. And the Revolution won. 26-24. This was a very, very exciting game to watch because both of these teams have a very deep rivalry going on right now. And I've seen the quarterback, Johnny Fickner from London, put a few things out on Twitter. And I swear, every time he does that, every time he does that, they lose. I wish he would stop doing it. He did it to Fort Worth. I believe it was, if not last season, season before. It was crazy. And, I, and they still lost. So I just- He dressed one in day, black for the funeral, he said. Yes. And they was wearing all black and they won. It was crazy. <laughs> But Louisiana had 325 yards passing, 157 yards rushing for 482 yards total. Their time of possession was 26 minutes and 54 seconds with one mistake. London had 379 yards passing, 43 yards rushing for 422 yards total. Their time of possession was 17 minutes two seconds with one mistake player of the game was halfback reggie streeter with 27 attempts 151 yards one touchdown 78 reception yards and one reception touchdown so i think the reason why london um lost besides having the ball less time is because they couldn't get that rushing game off the ground if you're only scoring 43 rushing yards against someone that's doing 157 yeah they got more chances to score on you which i think that that's what happened but anybody else want to chime in on this i'm just gonna say uh shout out to tommy utah uh he i just talked to him earlier um before that game and he, you know even in the minors he used to talk about how painful some of the games uh, to watch because quarterbacks throw pick and pick and pick and uh this week he you know he threw for 325 and yeah he still threw a pick but he uh got a touchdown at least it was you know a one-on-one ratio so just shout out to him he had a solid game as well awesome anybody else oh and you know i know all about picks don't you don't (laughs) (laughs) not this season not this season slow down not this season hey yeah i threw enough I threw enough for the past three seasons. <laughs> I, I got I got my first pick from you. It's in a in glass case back in the mansion. Well, I'm glad I could contribute <laughs> to your pants, your 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 mantle. It's okay. It, it, it's okay. You know, there's there's about seven more coming this season, so Ooh, don't worry. That's some, okay. Don't worry. We're gonna have words after this. Understand? <laughs> so, Karen. Uh, this this was the other game that I called this weekend, and there were there were definitely a lot of contributing factors factors to why Louisiana won, uh, Louisiana won this game. Uh, one was Tommy Utah. Admittedly, both quarterbacks were flaw almost flawless as far as uh, you know their their pass games go. Only an interception between each of them when both of them have proven to be more turnover happy. Uh, is incredibly impressive out of both of them, but the one of the key differences was the run game that Louisiana was able to to augment that pass game with, as opposed to London, who 
couldn't really get Robert Merrill going at all during that game, whereas Reggie Streeter basically ran over half of London's defense. Uh, the other key contributing point uh, was Louisiana's defense. They held London to just 10 third down attempts, and London only converted three of them. Hmm. Compared to, if we look at Louisiana, they had 14 attempts and eight uh, conversions, right? With uh, with a first down gain difference between them of eight. Uh, so Louisiana was just all around a better team in this game against London. London proved that they were able to score incredibly quickly, and there were times where they scored incredibly quickly. But between the the passing attack of Louisiana and the run game they were able to establish with uh, with Reggie Streeter, at the end of the game, they had a run of, I think, three or four different drives that ended in London's red zone that turned into scoring opportunities. But London eventually just wasn't able to get anywhere close to Louisiana's red zone, especially in the second half of the game. And I think that's... That's the biggest reason why the game ended the way it did, which was another last-second field goal by Otis Pedro. Mm-hmm. A lot of close games this week. Max, did you have anything to add to it? Not really. Um, just London's MO is not... Their offense ha- is not a conventional offense. And what I mean by that is that unlike most offenses who seek balance between running and throwing um, both uh, uh, attempts-wise and and yardage-wise, London doesn't see it that way. London just looks at Robert as, you know, an additional receiver and as a way to relieve pressure from Johnny when so that way he didn't have to sit there and have to kind of be Superman every drive, right? Mm-hmm. So, so when looking at London, most games, they will end the game with less rushing yards than your team and it, at this point, it's almost by design. Most so, games, all games, most games. No, that's <laughs> if, if you go if you go back for the last two seasons, there are a couple of games where they have more rushing yards than their opponents. But that's why I say most. But in most games, London's going to wind up having less rushing yards. But that's almost by design because they use uh, Robert more in the passing game. That's why he winds up with like you know, I think last season he ended with like a hundred, hundred some catches out the backfield, which was crazy. But that's that's how they that's how they run their offense now conversely um i'm more like additionally the you know you brought a a great point their lack of ability to convert third downs kind of doomed drives that were that that had they been able to convert could that could have gotten more points and a little breathing room and not made the fourth quarter as difficult and and basically that led them to lose the game have they been able to convert more? So that's something they have to, they're going to have to look at and you got to give, you know, big kudos and big ups to Louisiana's defense for coming and play that game and being able to get, get them both off the field and get Reggie Street of the ball back. Got it. The Lone Star Glory took on the Fort Worth Toros and Lone Star won. Wait. No, they did. They did. They won. I didn't get the score though. It was uh, twenty-three to twenty. Uh, hold on, 
there's a whole thread for this in that's crazy was, i've got the whole yeah it was it was 23 to 20 the same score as the arizona la game wow and it seems like most teams though this week it's been really close like three point wins two point wins it's crazy but y'all had a chance we'll figure out we'll we'll discuss that in a second but lone star had 209 yards passing only 95 yards rushing but 304 yards total their time possession was 20 minutes 26 seconds with no mistakes the forward toros had 139 yards passing 176 yards rushing but 315 yards total their time possession was 22 minutes 38 seconds with one mistake Unfortunately, I did not have the graphic for this one for this particular game. Um, it's and including the player of the game, so I'm not sure if there was one. If there wasn't, I'm going to name Dave Axis, wide receiver, the player of the game with eight receptions for 83 yards, two touchdowns, and um, averaged 10 yards per reception. So, Aaron, what happened? We got. Um, Doinked. That's what happened. Yeah. We uh, there were a couple opportunities that we had for a, a go ahead and and game tying field goal. The the first one, I believe, was kicked short, and the second doinked off the right upright and bounced out, uh, which would have taken the game to overtime. Which the way that we had been playing, I think we definitely could have won the game had it gone to OT but uh, uh, unfortunately the wins were unfavorable that day apparently for Taco yeah I'm still I'm still mad I'm still mad <laughs> it's been almost a week and it still upsets me that we lost that game no no man it happens you get those games where you're just that close I mean Arizona had been there few times with uh, Denver <clears throat> but you know it's it, it it happens man yeah I, I the biggest thing right now is we're still struggling a bit to find our identity offensively under Jason Williams and a part of that is is why I believe we've been struggling so far this season there's definitely there, there's definitely games that have been winnable, but I think just some of the some of the choices that have been made offensively have kind of hurt us in the in the long run. Gotcha. Hey, it's those growing pains, you know, when when we saw Jason and um, Josh over there doing the thing for the uh, Adams, you know, I could tell that they're learning. I could tell that, you know that they're growing in their coaching abilities. Um, but sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to kind of transition that over. So I think mm -hmm. y'all will be just fine though, because you played them. Clearly you played them, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, like you said, that win thing, man, gets you every time. Yep. <laughs> well, anybody else? Uh, I, I would just add on to that. Um, I believe Ace Phoenix ability to, you know, not turn over the ball and, and, and be very accurate uh, also gave Lone Star a, a great chance. Good point. The Tulsa Death. Oh, go ahead, Max. I'm sorry, honey. Um, Aaron brought up a great point about identity. Um, seeing that we are slightly past the halfway mark, I'm just gonna 
kind of segue because I, I believe in that game, what was weird is that neither team really was able to put their foot on the other or be able to force their will on the other as a nip tough game. But it was also because neither team, as Aaron said, like identity-wise, what is Lone Star good for? What is Fort Worth good at? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. last season, you knew Fort you can if you had to see Fort Worth, that defense was gonna be a problem, right? You had to see Lone Star last season, you knew they were gonna come with a ridiculously balanced attack where if you lean too much trying to stop uh, Ike, they were gonna hit you upside the head with Adam with Adam and the rest, you know what I'm saying, the receiving squad. Mm -hmm. This season, it's not like that. Like the struggles that both teams are having is because they haven't kind of put their marker as to what they're good at and being able to take off with it. So, so uh, the reason why I bring that up, because you're about to talk about the next game, another team that is kind of in the same realm in Tulsa is what is is are they a passing team? Are they a rushing team? Are they a defensive team? Like what? Are, what is? You know what I'm saying? What brings the people to the game to watch you? You know what I'm saying? They buy that ticket, they step in the stadium, they sit down, and like, oh yeah, we know our defense gonna come to play. Oh no, we know we, that ball gonna be in the air 60 times because that's like, what is what you? What do you? What? What do you do best? And can you use that to propel you to win games to put you in position to win? That's where a lot of these teams that are struggling, that can't find, that can't put together two wins in a row, you know, this is the time that you need to figure out what, what you're good at so you could kind of accentuate that and hide what you're bad at. And hopefully you're able to do that more often than not and put you in a position to be able to get to that second season. Got it. Gotcha. The, and it's great segue, by the way. But the Tulsa Desperados taking on the Jacksonville Kings. And the Kings won it all 31 to 13. Tulsa had 296 yards passing, 54 yards rushing, 350 yards total. Their time of possession is 56 minutes. Now that could not be right. 56 minutes, gotta be a glitch. Uh, 13 seconds with three turnovers. And Jacksonville had 292 yards passing, 52 yards rushing, but 344 yards total. Their time possession, 20 minutes, 55 seconds with three mistakes. So clearly that time possession for Tulsa was not right. Um, quarterback Marcus Dunhill is back in the limelight as player of the game with 31 completions out of 42 attempts 292 yards two touchdowns and the quarterback rating of 78.7 so like you were saying max it's more so trying to figure out what tulsa is good at um they have the components they have the key players that they need to make substantial um plays like i believe jorge torres had an interception of course you know jq has the ability to scramble i think his scramble is like freaking 80 or something so he can scramble if, if absolutely necessary um i think their their catalyst would be their turnovers i think that is ultimately what keeps them from from how do i want to say from from getting over that hump would you say i agree i think i think jq struggle with he, he, during the season and even in this game as well um, with throwing interceptions versus, you know, trying to, you know, get the ball into the end zone really hurts Tulsa. Um, 
even when I was watching them earlier on in the season, same thing. Um, if, you know, they can either, you know, find a way to, you know, get them, it's maybe just find a different way but find different plays to, to use and not the, the deep ball or whatever is just causing him to throw those picks so much as they find a, a different way to put the ball into the end zone. I mean, he's, he's not inaccurate. Um, he just, uh, you know, slips up from time to time. But if they find a way to put the, the ball in the end zone, I think they'd be a, a, a lot more competitive than the, what they are being. Gotcha. Anybody else? Uh, I think we were, you know, continuing this talk of identity. I think on the opposite end of Pulsa in this game, Jacksonville is a team that while they struggled early, uh, they, they've they since found their identity. They found what they as a team excel at and have executed that to, to a level that has basically turned their season around. You know, they, they started with, I believe, four straight losses and then after that fourth loss, they've just turned it around, uh, almost in a in a complete 180. Uh, they're they're definitely one of those teams, depending on the rest of their season, that's either going to be in wild card or we may see them just on the bubble going toward toward the end with like maybe one or two other games going their way for them to actually make playoffs. Got it. Anybody else? Um, I think Max and Alice kind of hit it on the head, you know, with, with Tulsa. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They just, some weeks they come out and they look like, you know, contenders. And another week they come out and, and just fall flat. And it's just, they need to find out who they are. Just like, I mean, I can't quite knock them because I'm still trying to figure out who we are. You know, I know who we are defensively, but offensively, I'm trying to get DJ going. And it's been a struggle all season for whatever reason. Season 14, he was our bell cow. Season 15, he kind of fell off. And season 16, he kind of came back a little bit. And now here in season 17, I just can't get a consistent run game going. And until I can do that, you know, I can't really speak on t- someone else too much because I'm still trying to figure it out myself. But Tulsa is one of those teams that they need to figure out what their identity is, what what kind of – who when, when people about like – Mighty kind of hit on the head. When people buy tickets to go see him play, what kind of, what style of office are they coming to see? And each week, we, we just don't know what that is. Good point. Speaking of figuring things out, the Arizona Scorpions took on the LA Lycans. And Arizona won 23-20. to 20. Again, these three-point differences, man. Walk-off field goals, man. Um... Arizona had 311 yards passing, 73 yards rushing with 384 yards total. Our time of possession was 19 minutes and 32 seconds with two mistakes. The Lycans had 286 yards passing, 101 yards rushing with 387 yards total. Their time of possession was 24 minutes, 12 seconds, also with two mistakes. I was your player of the game, quarterback, um, 26 Completions out of 35 attempts, 311 yards, one touchdown, 86.7 quarterback rating, approximately 500, and I want to say 74 yards away from having 20,000 yards under my belt in this league. Absolutely. I'm so glad that we won this game. I was had anxiety 
all week about it. Well, I have anxiety about the games, every game. Um, but it's just, you, you know, you just want to win certain games. And this was one of them that I really, really wanted to win. Why is um, that? So I did throw two turnovers to the same person, Miss Rachelle Colson. Um, and she, oh, it's funny because it seems like she would love to be our wide receiver or something. Because I swear, she is always <laughs> catching the balls. The last look, time man, we played look, them, and she was in look. Carolina, she caught four of them. I'm like, are you just trying to be on the team or what? You know? Like, but it, I think because of the, 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 because we both had those mistakes, I think Cliff had the advantage of doing that, that the, um, the walk off field goal. Because yeah. that's been that that's been done to us quite a bit this this particular Twice. season, right? So, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, you know, all week long, probably till about Tuesday, maybe Wednesday morning, and I was getting headaches about you know Robert Johnson, that tailback, only known as Ass Odom, and I was like, my God, I gotta find a way to you know limit this guy. And, try to do it responsibly because, you know, when you look at their games, he's he's the bell cow of their offense. And I, I had to find a way to responsibly sue him, shut him down. He's He'd had his moments, you know, his bright spots, but I thought for the most part, we did a pretty good job of containing him. But their passing game was more productive than I anticipated than I saw all week. And um, I couldn't figure get a figure out on why it kept happening, but I mean, they just had, I mean, on one time it was fourth and three, they threw a 20 yard seam route to the fullback for a first down. I mean, it's like everything was just going wrong with our pass defense. It was just really irking my brain because we had success all week against it. And, um, you know, I, they didn't do anything that I, that I saw differently, but for whatever reason, they just, they had a great day um, in the passing game. But at, in the end, we, we hung tough. I think it was 63, yeah, it was 63 at halftime. They were winning, and we had a couple of unfortunate turnovers, you know, deep in their own name on the verge of capitalizing for scores that kind of hurt us. But our defense hung tough um, and uh, kept us in the game. And I just I just kept telling myself, even you was texting me, Ashley, you know, I, I purposely ignored you, by the way, because don't don't test me during the game, because my anxiety is already at an all-time high for the week. So during the game, if we, especially if we losing, if we got a, like a two, maybe a two and a half score lead, you can text me. But anything less than that, don't, because I'm not going to answer you. So I saw your text. I knew you was pissed off about the picks and everything, but I purposely ignored you because I, I, I just can't function right now. My, my anxiety, my anxiety is too high. You know, I'm, I'm stressing out, and so I knew. You know that if, if we could just hold the ship deep, if, if we could just hold the fort defensively, we would get things going offensively because I, I like what I was seeing. And um, sure enough, in the second half, our, our offense got going. But they made another run, like I said, late, we tied the game up, and we were able to win it with a walk-off field goal for a change because you know we lost two straight, walk, you know, games with a lock with a walk-off field goal. So to get one ourselves was was uh, gratifying. Absolutely. Anyone else want to chime in? Eddie, you know how you prevent the walk-off field goal? Score more points! I know, bro, man! I know, man! I'm trying! I knew you was going to say something, too, man. I knew it! It's hard to score more points, though, when you've got Ray Colston covering center field, like, Mike Trout or some shit. 
She, 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 don't, she don't play for Arizona? I thought she was a new receiver. <laughs> no? Yeah, okay. Um, know, I'm going to let that go because we won a game. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I guess y'all don't watch games the way I watch games. So usually I'm in the VC with about 10 other Storm members. They're cursing the TV and the game out. I'm just sitting back there laughing. I'm just laughing at whatever happens because it's like, eh. Like, we game plan. We get, we did whatever. So, but, hey, Eddie, what's the name of the game? Consistency. You have to yes. find that. And y'all found that in the second half. Yes. That's how y'all were able to score all those points and get put yourselves in a position to be able to walk away with the field goal. That's the name of the game. Identity, consistency. Right? Because it's, it's nice if once you forgot what you're supposed to be, but if you can't be it when you're supposed to be it, what good is it? Right? So... So they've worked hand in hand, and in that second half, you're able to do that. And now, can you can you continue down that path for the rest of the season? Hey, that's all we play the games. But congrats on that big time W, because I know them boys get them boys did not let you sleep this whole week. Kind of prep for old big old Robert Johnson just running and rumbling, stumbling yeah, all man. the way down that defense. So yeah. um, and about their fullback on that crazy conversion, remember. The fullback caught like 50 passes against Baltimore week one. 17, you know yeah. Catch. You know he could catch, so. Yeah. God, I wish it were me. What you say, Aaron? I said, God, I wish it were me. You get that. Keep progressing. <laughs> and it will be. Progressions, progressions, progressions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. So the Portland fleet took on the Las Vegas Fury. And the Fury won 38 to 20. Kind of surprising to me, um, especially the way um, Portland has been playing lately. Um, but hey, a win is a win. And a win it was with Las Vegas having 254 yards passing, 151 yards rushing for 405 yards total. Their time of possession was 26 minutes, 55 seconds with one mistake. On the other hand, Portland had 197 yards rushing, 159 yards um, I'm sorry, 197 yards passing, 159 yards rushing, but 356 yards total. Their time possession was 17 minutes and five seconds with seven, count them, seven turnovers. Scott Johnson was the player of the game with 28 attempts for 156 yards, four touchdowns, and 11 reception yards. So, I'm guessing it's pretty safe to say that the reason why Las Vegas was able to capitalize and win this game was because they had so many turnovers. Would you say? Yeah, I would. I would agree on that one. Um, you That's know, Jackson, right? Wasn't he like four interceptions or something crazy? Yeah, I, I believe so. Max Jackson. Yeah, he had four interceptions. Um, even with even with uh, Ezekiel Love having you know a solid game, uh, if OJ's you know, throwing picks every time, every other time he touches the ball, you know, it's, it, there's nothing you can do on offense running the ball the way they were. And then on the other end, Joseph Green managing the game well and they're running back, killing it as well. Um, you know, it's, it's just a lopsided affair. It's, it's like our game, if we would have had that six picks and then we'd have managed it well and just kept feeding Bailey, you know, we would have, you, you would have seen a different score. But, Basically, what what uh, Las Vegas did in this one is 
you know, take what they were given with the picks and then, you know, just try their best not to, to do the same and, and and finish the game. Got it. Anybody else? Scott Johnson will hooping. That boy there put on a show in that game. Now, the thing is, I don't know if Portland started feeling themselves a little bit. You know, they got a little win streak. They, 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 they got that winning record for the first time in franchise history. I don't know if they saw Vegas as, you know, kind of a, a wounded opponent. And instead of, um, you know, getting ready the way they're used to getting ready, I don't know if they overlooked them for the next game. I, I, you know, that's at this point, I'm just speculating because I don't, I'm not in touch with their coaching staff like that. But coming into that game, that's almost high felt, right? Because you think Portland's devaunted defense coming in to bust heads. And next you know, Scott Johnson's loops. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all over the place. Did, did, did this boy, why is Scott Johnson all over the place? That's the that's what you got to take away for the rookie quarterback to beat you. And it and that's not what occurred at all. And conversely, Portland got a little too, um, you know what I'm saying, uh, generous with distributing the ball with to the other team. Like, sometimes it's okay to not beat yourself. You know, that's, a, that, that, that's another big thing. Like, especially if you're going into a game where maybe because you're not entirely sure or of what kind of opponent you might face, you might be a little more conservative. Why? Two things. You're helping your defense out by being conservative because you're not exposing them and setting them up for failure by giving them short fields they have to defend. And secondarily, you're not also setting your O up to kind of fall in his face and lose the game for you, for you got a chance to win it. And that's what happened. Like, Portland in that second half, it's almost like they were fighting uphill because they created such a chasm to have to overcome. That's too much work. It's it's tiring to watch. I can only imagine why you're in the game trying to complete, you know what I'm saying, complete that effort. Like, why, why defeat yourself? You know what I'm saying? So put yourself in a position to succeed by let's not get too crazy with the throws that we're going to make. Give the rock to our, the leading rusher in the, NF, in the SFL, right? Feed him. Boy, feed that boy till he throw up. You sit, you feel me? And then conversely, now your defense got time to rest. Your quarterback could get his confidence back and whatever, whatnot. But that's not what happened with Portland. Luckily for us, it's a very long season. Portland got a chance to, you know, kind of make, make up what they just lost in the in, in um in, in the lead they had. And and now conversely, Vegas, like Vegas is so helter-skelter. They come one week, they thump the next week. Did they show? Did they get off the bus? Like it's weird with Vegas. Mm-hmm. Let's see if Vegas is able to um, put, you know, what I'm saying another uh, competitive effort out this 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 coming weekend. Because if they can, remember, this is a Vegas squad that didn't make the playoffs last season. So it's not like you know, what I'm saying they 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 they're far from being doormats, for lack of a better term. Like they're a competitive squad. So their the early season struggles. With a couple of wins they got in the last three weeks, let's see if they can keep that ball rolling. Because if they are, they're going to be a problem down the stretch as well. Because Max Jackson and the rest of that, you know, defense, they love to take the ball away. Mm-hmm. And, and if they're able to do that, that'll give their rookie quarterback, you know, some room to breathe where he doesn't have to be Superman as well. He could just feed Scott, feed Scott Johnson from time to time, taking shots when he can, knowing that if, even if he screws up, the defense is going to save. Good points, man. Good points. 
Does anybody else want to add to that? Like, I think he pretty much covered it. Yeah, Buddy pretty much covered the only point that I had was that Vegas this season has seemed to be one of the most volatile, I think, of any any team in the SFL. Some weeks they'll come out and they'll play like the team they were last season that made it pretty deep run in the playoffs, whereas uh, other weeks it's just like it's a bunch of dead fish out on the field. Like there's there's no drive, there's nothing. It, we'll have to see moving forward, though, if, if Vegas loses that volatility and can actually start stringing uh, like actual quality wins together. Got him. He, he pretty much covered it all, but I will say this for Portland. They um, were dealing with um, a definite family and a coaching staff, and so um, that kind of played a part in how much preparation time they had, too. Yeah. And condolences um, to Nelson Manzano and his family. And he lost his father. And we do want to, you know, reach out to him, show him the love that we always do as a community. You know, it's it's tough losing anybody. It's very tough losing a parent. So our prayers and thoughts are with you always, Nelson. Um, did anybody want to add to that? Marty is the new me. He, he took over from uh, seriously. My like that's it, it dropped the mic. It was over. Like <laughs> <laughs> the Atlanta Swarm took on the DC Dragons, and Atlanta won thirty-four to thirty-one. Uh, Atlanta had two hundred eighty-nine yards passing for sixty-two yards rushing with three hundred and fifty-one yards total. Their time of possession was nineteen minutes and twenty-two seconds with two mistakes. D.C. had 295 yards passing, 119 yards rushing for 414 yards total. Their time of possession was 28 minutes, 10 seconds with four mistakes. Player of the game was quarterback Bryant Dynasty, Mr. Hair Flip himself, had 21 completions out of 33 attempts, 289 yards, three touchdowns, and a quarterback rating of 96 point. Seven. So I'm thinking with DC having all of those turnovers, even though they had a fantastic rushing game, um, I'm thinking that that was the catalyst as to why they um, were not successful. All right, everybody. And unfortunately, that is where my internet kind of went wonky and I lost um, the guys. I did try to record the rest of the podcast with them. But unfortunately, the file was encrypted. It didn't save properly, and I lost it. But the show must go on, right? So I hope you all enjoyed that first segment with the guys. It was totally fun doing it. Um, and hope you enjoy this one as well, because I'm going to keep on with the, the, um, the rundown of week seven, all right? So the, the Vancouver Legion took on the Sioux Falls Sparrows, and the Vancouver Legion won. 34 to 14. Vancouver had 337 yards passing, 118 yards rushing for 455 yards total. Their time of possession was 24 minutes, <clears throat> 51 seconds with three mistakes. The Sioux Falls Sparrows had 212 yards passing, 55 yards rushing with 267 yards total. Their time of possession was 18 minutes, 55 seconds with five turnovers. Player of the game was Quarterback Tom Pepper with 
33 completions out of 40 attempts, 337 yards, five touchdowns, and a quarterback rating of 120.5. Now, with this game, <clears throat> I think the one of the main reasons why Sioux Falls lost this game against Vancouver, Vancouver is actually putting up some great numbers. Yes, they've had their hit or miss games um, where they could have ran a little bit better or maybe um, usually if their running game is not good, they typically don't win, especially with Robert Redford cannot get off. He did in this game <clears throat> for 118 yards. On the other hand, Colin, um, Colin Hart could not. He was only held to 55 yards. Um, also with the five turnovers, definitely the turnovers equals equals you're not more than likely going to win. Now, there are certain cases where you can throw a lot of turnovers. Like I've had one game where I had seven turnovers when we still won, but that was pure luck. That was an anomaly. So um, that, I think, was the reason why Sioux Falls lost this game. And then not being able to do anything with 18 minutes and 55 seconds in comparison to the 24 minutes that Vancouver had the ball to actually do something. So... But congratulations to all the winners. People are definitely, teams I should say, are definitely separating themselves from the pack. And it's gonna be a heck of a playoff scenario for Cam when it when that time comes. And I actually have that for you too. Um, but before I go into that, welcome to my SFL chat around the water cooler. Well, I will be discussing some hot topics that are around the league. Now, one hot topic was the mid-season awards that happened um, over the course, I think it was Saturday. And so Cameron Irvine, our commissioner, and Mr. Michael Sangreen, wide receiver for the <clears throat> London Knights, got together and put together some mid-season awards. And let me know in the comments whether you agree, whether you disagree, or whether you're kind of indifferent about what has happened. Now, most valuable player is the Baltimore Vultures, Jack Wigmore, their quarterback. Um, offensive MVP, Portland's Ezekiel Love, their running back. Uh, defensive MVP, Saron Yates um, for Baltimore. Offensive Rookie of the Years, Houston, Dave Burr. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Queen City's Cody, Cody Griffin. Staff front office is now the Los Angeles Lycans as of right now. And the best <laughs> free agent acquisition is Mike St. Green for London. Now, I mean, for the most part, I could definitely agree with these. The only two that I could say that, I, that may need to change, and it's really because of the same person, would be the staff front of office. I think that that should go to Queen City. And I think that the best free agent acquisition should go to Chris Comasat. Now, Chris going over to Queen City was absolutely the best thing that could have happened to Queen City. And it's showing on the field. After going through two seasons of lackluster, um, lackluster seasons, not making it to the playoffs, not making it nowhere near them. And now you're definitely in playoff contention by having a six and one record. That's definitely a turnaround. That's definitely something to mention. Um, as far as the front of how the, the the front office staff, BJ and Chris have worked tirelessly to make sure that the team has what they need to help them turn everything around from the stigma that it had at one point. And they're doing their thing, and it's showing on the field. So when you're 
when you say you're going to do something, as we were on a previous podcast together, they said that they were going to turn things around. They said they were going to be not your father's Corsairs, meaning not the Corsairs of old the past two seasons. They lived up to that. And if it continues, they definitely deserve it at the end of the season. All right. Another special note is Mr. Brandon Smallwood, a.k.a. Espen Rael. He won some awards for his short film, Carrier. And here are the awards that he's actually won for his film. Best Short Experimental from Viz Film Festival 2021. 2021 winner, the Ada Fest Film Festival, Best Experimental as well. Best Short from Medusa Films Festival. Award winner, Image Rain Independent Film Award. Indie Eye Film Awards winner, Best Music Video. And Best Visual Effects, Patty Town Film Festival. Man, this is absolutely amazing, Espen. I'm so happy for you. I'm glad that you won an award for your hard work and dedication that you that you take into your craft. And I wish you the best luck, the best luck in your new release. And hey, man, if you ever need somebody, I'm right here. You know I got you. All right. And now we're sliding over to the Pickums for week eight, and also um, the current divisional standings. And if the playoffs were today, these are every these are all the teams that would actually make the playoffs. All right, so we're going to start with my pickups. Now this is getting much much more difficult as the weeks go by. And if you notice, <laughs> a lot of games ended with two and three point deficits or differences, and it's only going to get closer and closer, which is exciting, which means everything is more competitive. The coaches and the owners are getting gaining a better understanding of the Legends mode settings for 2K, um, 2K8. Awesome. So you just, your heart is going to be in your throat every game. That's all that means. But on September the 11th at 2.30 p.m., Denver Nightwings will be taking on the Louisiana Revolution on FTF Next. Um at that's 2.30 p.m. I'm going to go, even though Louisiana will be at home, I think Denver is actually going to sneak away with the win on this one. Also, on September the 11th at 3.05 p.m., the Arizona Scorpions will be taking on the Vancouver Legion in Canada on our Twitch SFL Twitch channel. That's going to be a great game to watch. And, of course, I'm going with Arizona. I think we have what it takes to um, beat Vancouver. But I tell you what, if Robert Redford runs all over us, we may have some problems. And if Tom Pepper, which I know that um, Vancouver does like to throw. So if Tom Pepper is able to make a whole bunch of connections, who knows? But I'm still going with Arizona. Um, at 4.40 p.m., the Los Angeles Vikings will be taking on the Lone Star Glory at Lone Star on F. TF next going to be another great game to watch. I think since Lone Star is going to be at home, I'm going to give Lone Star a slight edge on this one by three points. Uh, DC will be taking on Portland at 5.15 p.m. on September the 11th on our SFL Twitch channel. And I think that Portland is actually going to pull this win off, even though DC has been showing significant 
um, um, changes in their offense. They've been getting a lot better. I still think they got a little bit more to go, but hey, if you don't like it, please prove me wrong. All right. But I think I'm going to give it to Portland on this one. Houston will be taking on the Carolina Sky. Houston Hyenas will be taking on the Carolina Skyhawks at 7 p.m. on For the Fans Twitch Network. And I am going with, ooh, this is going to be a hard game. I think I'm going to go with Carolina on this one. Um, Houston has been running into a little bit of trouble on the offensive side of the ball. If they can actually hanker down, get Dave Burr um, more good looks, I think that they could they could win this game. But I'm going to give a slight edge to Carolina. Um, with Las Vegas Fury taking on the Atlanta Swarm at 7.20 p.m. on Twitch SFL Twitch Network. Atlanta will be playing at home against Las Vegas. Las Vegas had a phenomenal game last week with Scott Johnson and Matt Jackson on both sides of the ball doing their thing. I think Max Jackson had four interceptions. Scott Johnson had four touchdowns, crazy stuff. Um, all that said, with the with Atlanta being at home at the hive, I think I'm going to roll with Atlanta. Um, Queen City Corsairs, this is actually on September the 12th on Sunday. Uh, the Queen City Corsairs will be taking on the Florida Storm at 12.30 p.m. And it's going to be probably game of the week for the fans network. I am going to go with Florida on this one. They have proven themselves to be a force to be reckoned with. They, I mean, they are the storm, um, but a force to be reckoned with at home. So I'm not going to go against them there, even though Queen City just coming fresh off a loss. But that's the only loss they have sustained this season. Um, it's going to be a great game, either way. Sioux Falls will be taking on the Charleston Predators at 1.05 p.m. on SFL Twitch channel. And I am going to go with Charleston simply being at home. Sioux Falls is still trying to find their stride on offense. Um, they're known for their running game. I think they're trying to switch it up and go passing this season, which it's good to change it up because once you become one-dimensional, people know how to battle you. But since they are still in their working phase, I think I'm going to give the win to Charleston. Uh, 2.40 p.m. at uh, uh, September the 12th um, for the Fans Network. London Knights will be taking on the Baltimore Vultures. And I'm going to go with Baltimore on this one. This is a home game for Baltimore. They don't typically lose too many games at home. The wake in the committee has been firing on all cylinders, and they are currently the undefeated team. So we're going to see if it stays that way. Um, Jacksonville will be taking on Jacksonville Kings will be taking on the Mexico City Aztecs at 3.15 p.m. on September the 12th and on our SFL Twitch channel. And again, I mean, Jacksonville had a phenomenal game last week, putting up some major numbers. But I think with Mexico City changing up their entire player bill, I mean, their entire team build um, to accommodate those two tight ends, I think they're going to want to coming out with the win on this one. 5 o'clock p.m., the San Diego Mavericks will be taking on the fourth Toros on For the Fans Twitch Network. Um, I'm going to go with Fort Worth on this one. I think um, that San Diego, they are working feverishly to, to, to get more wins in the win column. I mean, Arizona gave them their first win. Um, so they are totally capable of winning. Whether they will win against the Fort Worth Toros defense, not quite sure. That's why I'm going with Fort Worth, and it's a home game for them. Lastly, 
At 5.20 p.m., the Tulsa Desperados will be taking on the St. Louis Gladiators. And that will be on our SFL Twitch channel. I am going to go with St. Louis just because I'm not quite sure which Tulsa which Tulsa is going to show up. If they're going to do the if they're, if they're going to be run heavy, if they're going to be pass heavy, don't know exactly what to expect from Tulsa. St. Louis has been making significant um, positive changes in their um, offense, so I think if Tulsa cannot stop them, St. Louis will take home this win. All right. And again, guys, please don't take it to heart when I pick. If I don't pick your team, it does not mean that I don't care about you. It does not mean that I don't love you any less or that I I love you any less, I should say. It's just a guess. I'm going to be either half right or half wrong. And lately, it's been more on the wrong side. (laughs) But um, now, this moving on to the to the divisions as of right now, after week seven, the Pacific division has Los Angeles sitting at number one at five and two. Vancouver's at five and two, followed by Portland at four and three and San Diego at one and six. In the West, Arizona is sitting at four and three. Las Vegas is sitting at three and four and Denver is sitting at two and five. Sioux Falls is sitting at one and six in the South. The Mexico City Aztecs is sitting pretty at number one, while followed by Lone Star. Um, I'm sorry, Mexico City is at five and two. Lone Star is at three and four. Houston's at three and four. And Fort Worth is at two and five. In the North, Baltimore is sitting pretty at number one, seven and oh, undefeated. Then you have Queen City Corsair sitting at six and one, very close behind them, with the London Knights sitting at three and four, and the Washington DC and Washington at two and five. In the east, we have the Atlanta Swarm sitting at five and two. All right, and in the East, we have Atlanta sitting at number one at five and two. We have St. Louis at number two, sitting at three and four. Louisiana is also sitting at three and four. We have Tulsa sitting at two and five, rounding off that fourth position. And finally, the Atlantic. In the Florida Storm is sitting at number one, five and two. Charleston is sitting at four and three. Um, in position two, let's see. Number three is Jacksonville sitting at three and four. And number four is the Carolina Skyhawks at three and four. So it is a lot of three and four teams right now. And I'm sure that this will not be the case around, let's say about week 11. It's definitely going to thin out. Now, as far as our playoff standings, if the playoffs happen right now, these will be the teams that will make it, the teams that will be in the hunt, and the teams that will miss it by that much. So, number one, of course, will be the Baltimore Vultures at seven and one. Queen City will be at number two, um, six and one, followed by Los Angeles and Florida, both at five and two. Now, in the hunt, Mexico City, Atlanta, and Vancouver are all five and two as well. You have Arizona, Charleston, and Portland sitting at four and three. And then you have Carolina and Las Vegas running off that 12th position at both sitting at three and four. London will just miss the playoffs sitting at three and one. Um, and I'm sure these, this is basically, again, if the playoffs happen today, this is what it would be like. By the time week 10 comes, 
I'm, I'm sure that this would have changed significantly. And I'm very curious to see how. And it is going to start with games that are going to be taking place next week. So I want to thank all of you for joining me. Again, I do apologize for the glitches that I had. Um, a special thanks goes out to Eddie Gage, Isaiah King, Aaron um, Alexander, and um, of course, Max Paul, aka Mighty, for being on the show, for helping me out with the first round of everything. I really appreciate it, fellas. And to you, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm looking forward to bringing you another great podcast next week, y'all. But until then, stay safe, treat each other well. Striker out.